Good morning. How you doing? Good to be with you this morning. And uh, every week, middle of the week, Teresa and I shoot a video and we send out an updated connection. How many got the video this week? And uh, raise your hand. If you don't get that, if we don't have your correct uh, email address, you're not getting that. Every week there's new information, there's announcements on there. So raise your hand again if you would. Let me see that. Do you get that? information every week. And if not, we'd like you to get that. You're missing the connection. And a number of you missed that uh, you see Pastor Jonathan and his wife, Jennifer, they're going to be leaving us. Their last Sunday is going to be the last Sunday of September. And as I said to him earlier this week, you're dead to me. No, (laughs) no, 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 I didn't say that to him. We love him, and we really do, him and Jennifer, and I thought he was going to say, and we realized after the video, and he realized he didn't say an important part of that video. His wife, Jennifer, has finished nursing school. They're from Rochester, New York. She got a good nursing position at a hospital in Rochester, but he was raised in a pastor's home. His dad and mom pastor in the city of Rochester. He's going back to serve with his dad in the church there in Rochester. So it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It is. I understand that. They'd like to start a family in a year or so and be by family. So we understand that, but we're going to miss them, and we're praying through that and talking to the next steps. And, uh, you know, God, God has a plan, right? He's leading them, directing them, and he's leading the right person to come in and serve here and minister here. So we're just in that process right now, just started that. And so uh, it's good, it's good. We're talking about today, our core value, here to serve. And our core values are connected. They're intertwined with each other. And so when we talk about serving, really we're talking about last week, that connected, sacrificially generous. and, And we have cards here, some things we could do simply every day to serve people, to connect with people, and, and then also we want to do the uh, care items for teachers and students. That table's there in the lobby in the foyer. You can see that. And then you probably saw uh, a big frame with, with uh, cards and clothespins. That's a blast from the past, clothespins. How about that? Holding the cards, and we're going to ask you, if you're not presently serving, if you're not presently serving you can take one of those cards and say, where am I going to get involved and get connected and serve? So we're going to do that. Hopefully you'll do that after the service next week also. Next week we're going to look at United in Purpose, United in Purpose. Then tomorrow night we're collecting for Haiti. You've responded in a great way. For, for Tia and Clintone, our missionaries in Haiti, responded in a great way. The items are at the gym in Pittsburgh, so tomorrow night, 6.30, we're going to have a packing party. So if you can be part of that packing party to get shipped, 6.30, Pittsburgh tomorrow night, we're going to pack up the pallets, and they're going to get ready and get shipped out, and so that's, you just brought so many good things in to be a blessing there. Man, there's lots of crazy stuff going on in our world, isn't it? Come on, we, we, we've got violence, and we have hurricanes, and all kind of things taking place. And so, as we look at this this morning, we're going to talk about serving, but I want to go a little bit different direction here to help us, because we've talked about this before, connecting 
with people. If we're going to serve, we're serving people. And I'm looking at it in the long run, and I'm looking at that we're going to have some small groups Bible studies kick off this fall, that we need to learn how, how are we going to connect with people. I want to look at principles for connecting with people today. So have you ever had one of those conversations with someone and you realized you just weren't connecting? How many's had that? Or, or, or maybe, you know, you were the one that just wasn't getting it and you weren't connecting. And if you're married, you could have a great marriage be in sync, but there's sometimes like, wait a minute here, I don't think we're hearing each other. We're not quite connecting. Well, <clears throat> this is from just a couple years ago. It's talking about the year's best headlines. And we could see there's probably a little disconnect here when you hear the headline. It says this, red tape holds up new bridges. You mean there's something stronger than duct tape? You know, I kind of put commentary in there. Red tape holds up new bridges. Something went wrong in the jet crash, expert says. Really? Yeah? Police begin campaign to run down jaywalkers. I think that's taken a little bit too far right there. Miners refuse to work after a death. Those lazy, good-for-nothing miners. What are they thinking? War dims hope for peace. I can see that might have that effect there. If strike isn't settled quickly, it may last a while. Uh, yeah. Cold wave linked to temperatures. Well, who would have thought? <laughs> I don't know if I should say this way. New study of obesity looks for a larger target group. <laughs> All right. Okay, here's the last one. Astronaut takes blame for gas in the spacecraft. <laughs> Don't eat space beans. That's all we say right there. Okay, talk about disconnect. You know, lockdowns in school, not in school, mask, disconnect. A good connection makes all the difference. This is a little more serious. The Department of Mental Health Study tells us if you're disconnected from other people, you're three times more likely to die an early death you are four times more likely to suffer emotional burnout, five times more likely to suffer clinical depression, 10 times more likely to be hospitalized for emotional or a mental disorder. So the bottom line is human connections are good medicine. Human connections are good medicine. Tell somebody around you, we need each other. Come on, tell somebody, we need each other. So as we talk about serving and connecting, let's look at connecting with people. Here's the big idea. In order to serve people, we first need to know how to get connected with people. Let's stand together today, if you would. And um, if you're presently serving, I, I just want to ask you, uh, as Jonathan talked about in the announcements Come on, join us at Camp Meadowland, 2 to 5 o'clock, fun, fellowship, food. If it's raining, we, we have an indoor facility there, but it looks like the rain's going to hold out. But we want you to come. We want to just, just have a good time together and say thank you for serving today. So let's hold up our Bibles or 
our app. Let's say it together. Let's believe God's going to just speak to our hearts this morning. This is my Bible. This is the Word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. When I read and hear the word, faith comes to my spirit. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God, and it will change my life. I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Proverbs 27, the first, second part of verse 9, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Six principles of connecting with people. Let's move right through them this morning. First of all, be courageous and take the initiative. Take the first step. Be willing to take the first step. Don't wait for someone to come to you and to connect with you. Take the initiative. And this often takes a little boldness, a little courage, because this thing called fear disconnects people. As I said, especially in the time we're living right now, fear disconnects people. And it's obvious when we're full of fear, we're not going to get close to each other. We back off. It's as old as mankind itself. We look at Adam and Eve when they sinned in the garden, and God came looking for them. And he wasn't doing that for his benefit. He knew right where they are. It was for their benefit. And Adam said, I was afraid and I hid. I was afraid and I hid. And we have been doing that as people ever since. We're afraid, we hide, we back off, we disconnect. And, you know, I would say this before, I'm not talking about the day in which we live, we put on a mask. We hide and we disconnect. 2 Timothy 1.7 talks about fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. Say, thank you, Jesus. In the day in which we live where fear seems to be pushed and rampant, I want you to know as a man or woman of God that we don't have to give in to a spirit of fear today. I'm going to stand strong on the rock, Jesus Christ. No fear here. Amen. When we say, I will not be shaken, we're not going to be shaken. Our Savior isn't shaken. Three things fear does to you. It will make you defensive. And it means we're afraid to reveal ourselves. We defend ourselves against our weaknesses, and we all have some weaknesses. It will make you distant. We will let people get close to us. We'll pull back withdraw. We try to hide our emotions. We think if they really, you know, knew me, if they really, really knew me, they wouldn't like me. And I, I just can't let people get that close to me. And it's harder to be open and it's harder to be honest and it's easier to be defensive and it's easier to be distant. And we think it's safer. So we play it safe so we won't get rejected. And then our fears can make us demanding. The more insecure you are, the more controlling that you want to be. So where do we get the confidence in taking that first step and connecting with people? We get it from the Spirit of God. We just read that verse in 2 Timothy. From the Spirit of God that resides and dwells within us, if you're a believer, the Spirit of God is in you. So he says we have a sound mind. 
I'm thankful for that this morning. It's from the Greek word, and that's a compound word. The first part means to save, be delivered, rescued, revived, protected, safe, and secure. And the second part of that compound Greek word carries the idea uh, of our total frame of mind, our thinking, uh, uh, logic, rationale, and emotions. So when you find yourself tempted to give in to fear, and if we're all honest, how many has been tempted to give in to some kind of fear in the last year? Come on. You had that temptation. There's that battle taking place. Here's the thing. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're in Christ, you're a man of God, a woman of God, when you're tempted to give in to fear, we have the Word of God. Aren't you thankful? We have the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, to work in you. And what does He do? He delivers us, He revives us, He rescues us, He protects our mind. What this means is this, as a believer... And the Word of God, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That means our rationale, our logic, our emotions can be shielded from the illogical, absurd, ridiculous, unfounded, if-only thoughts that gripped your mind in the past and try to grab hold of you right now. You are in Christ. God has given you a mind that is a new creation, Amen. A new mind that has been delivered, rescued, revived, protected, brought to a place of safety and security that you're no longer affected by illogical thoughts that won't bombard you. The Bible tells us that God is love. And His perfect love cast out all fear. Fear may try to rise up, but fear is not going to control me, direct me, or manipulate me I am a child of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Be considerate of the other person's needs. And here's something that we see missing lately. How about this? Respect for other people. Respect for other people. If we're going to connect with others, we've got to start with their needs, not just ours. Philippians 2.4, let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. And this is counterculture. It's a counterculture verse. From the moment we're born, it's natural. Who do we think about? Me, myself, and I. My needs, my wants, my goals, my ambitions, my desires. I want this. I don't want that. You know, uh, if we're going to think about others, and start considering others. That's going to become a learned behavior that we can learn, that the Lord can teach us. We naturally think of our desires, our needs, our ambitions. What's best for me? And if you've noticed this, social media really emphasizes that today. We think we're connected with all kind of people through social media. No, we're more disconnected than ever. And we need to care for ourselves and care for our families, and we need to care for our affairs and be responsible. But the scope must be higher than that and greater than that, not just about ourselves. So here's some basic life truths right here. And some of you, some of you, there's a few people here today that probably need to hear this. I know a lot of you don't, but there's some of you do that need to hear this. Here's the first one. 
the world does not revolve around you. Okay? The world does not revolve around you. I know it may be shocking, but, but here it is you're hearing today. You're very special to God. Yes, you are. You're created for a purpose. God has a plan for your life, but it's not all about you. When you serve others, what we find out, when I place others as a priority, I begin to serve people, I found out that God has a way of taking care of me also. Isn't that good? Amen. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another, the Apostle Paul says, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Well, this seems simple, but in America, I want to say this, and I see this happening. I think we need to lighten up a little bit with each other. Come on, say it with me, lighten up. And here's a saying that was a few years ago, and you remember this, and I think there's some people, I would just like to tell them this, take a chill pill, come on. Lighten up, take a chill pill. People are on edge. There's so much going on, and there's catastrophes, and there's pressure, and there's things that we have great questions about, and there's a lot of lies taking place. There's fear rampant. People are under pressure, and we need to lighten up a little bit. A couple weeks ago, I pulled up, and Teresa was running into the giant grocery store to buy a gift card. I let her off. She ran in the door. I pulled the car away. We're going to be there five minutes, maybe. I got out of the way of, of traffic. I got out of the way of the pedestrians. I pulled up right over here, the giant. Right in front of me, right there, was a store that was out of business. And, and I'm sitting there, air conditioning, the windows are up, the radio's on. And, and, and then I look, oh, Teresa's coming out the door. And then I hear this pounding on my window, my driver's side window. And I look, so I put the window down, there's a lady, she is just going ballistic on me. She is just yelling, and, and what is wrong with you? I was just thinking, thank God I'm not married to you. But, but, and, and I wasn't saying anything, and then she saw Teresa, and she starts screaming at her, who do you think you are? You think you're something special, don't you? And, and I'm just, the window goes back up. Teresa gets in the car, and we pull away, and I think, poor lady. Poor, if, if this is setting you off, oh, she needs Jesus. She needs some help. Be constructive with your words. We seem to be living in a day where manners are, la how do you remember this thing called manners? Manners. Be constructive with your words. It's easier to tear down than it is to build up. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And you look at that word, unwholesome or corrupt. And every language has those unacceptable bad words, but this is... Decayed, rotten, as in spoiled, but it has a further meaning. And this is the one that I want us to see also. Crumbled stones or rubble. 
our words. It's like a sledgehammer. This is my little sledgehammer. And when we can just begin to sling our sledgehammer around, begin to sling, I'm gripping it, don't worry, sling our words around. When we just let them fly and they're out there, once they're out there, we can't bring them back in. And you know what happens? We let them fly and what destruction takes place. I like to do demo, I really do. I enjoy doing demo in homes and that, but we let those words fly, and what happens is we end up with rubble, emotional rubble, relational rubble takes place when we're not careful with our words, and we just swing them like a sledgehammer, and away and away and away it goes. Words are an important tool given to us from God. So I want my friend Jeff to come. Jeff, if you had come. See, we have another illustration. We have a power tool. Tell your neighbor, we have a power tool. Our mouths are power tools. Jeff is a builder. Well, well kind of, kind of. And well, let, let's see. Let, let, let's see this power tool. We got a power saw. Come on, come on. Rev that baby up. Yeah. That's what I said. If we didn't have to repair that, I wanted to cut that, thing, that, that rail off right there. But let's, let's hear that again. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have a power tool. Tell your neighbor. Thank you, Jeff. Let's give Jeff a hand. We need to be careful, careful, say it with me, careful, how we use our power tool. This is from a manual for a power saw. And I thought, this is something. It, it reminds us of the other tool that we have right here. It says, know your power tool. Know your power tool, the manual says. I like this one. Keep guards in place. Hmm. Be careful around children with your power tool. Store your power saw, idle tools when not in use. Store them. Don't overreach. How about this last one? Never use in an explosive atmosphere. So how can I use my words, my power tool correctly? Stop excusing, stop making excuses for your bad behavior. Well, it's all the stress I'm under. That's the way my mom and dad responded. That's the way they would do things. It's my low blood sugar. Stop making excuses. Say it with me, stop it. That's all of us. We're talking to ourselves. Talk less. If it's a power tool, you don't have to use it as much. Talk less. Less. Start building. Think how I can use my words for encouragement. How can I build that person up? How can I challenge them in a good way? And then number four, let's be candid about problems. Excuse me, be candid about problems. We should be open and honest. Proverbs 24, 26. An open rebuke is better than a hidden love. 
or he who gives a right answer kisses the lips, or an honest answer is a sign of true friendship. Candid and connected go together. You can't have one without the other. Genuine, healthy, meaningful relationships. And that's what I'm talking about. If we are going to serve one another and we are going to serve the Lord together, we're talking about building relationships. You can't have one without the other. Candid, genuine, healthy, meaningful relationships are built upon honesty and not flattery. If you, if you have someone and they're always kissing up to you, always telling you what you want to hear, that person probably isn't your real friend. Genuine friendships are candid. Come on, if you're, your real friend's going to tell you, hey man, your zipper's down. I've been really good about that through the years, but a couple years ago, I preached a whole sermon with my zipper down. Not one of you told me. I thought I had a few friends, but not one of you told me. Just saying. A good friend's going to tell you, hey, you got spinach in your teeth. A good friend's going to say, hey, you know what? I don't think you should have done that. I think you messed up here. I, I think you should look at the situation this way. How many hear what I'm saying this morning? That's a good friend. Do you have anyone who loves you enough to hold you accountable and helps you grow? Are you open to this kind of honesty? Do you have someone in your life like that? So here's three rules if we're going to be candid. Compliment in public, correct in private. This is just some good life principles today. Our God, His Word works for everyday life. Amen? So, with children, spouses, a friend, an employee, compliment in public, correct in private. Correct when they're up and not down. No one can handle correction when they are tired, when they are discouraged, out of energy. You know, people, they don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. You've heard that saying, you know, you can handle it. You can handle it. And let me tell you, my wife, we need more people than just our spouses being honest with us. And she's very honest with me about my preaching. I'm not her favorite preacher. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's okay. But she has learned over the years that I can handle her critique and criticism, but not like on the drive home after church. <laughs> There's a period of four and a half years we did three Sunday morning services. That's not what I wanted to hear when we got in the car to go home. And then we're going to go back to two services. I can handle it better later in the day. Maybe tomorrow. Just don't tell me at all. No, but maybe tomorrow. <laughs> I could almost, you see. Never offer correction until you've proven that you are open to receiving correction yourself. You seek to understand before you seek to be understood. All healthy relationships allow the opportunity for the expression of frustration. I want you to hear this. All healthy relationships offer the opportunity for the expression of anger. Not out of control anger, but anger. 
If you don't get angry about something, it means you don't care. When you hear, how many of you see that today? It means you don't love. Too many people are afraid of the anger and they push it down and they push it down and they push it down. If you push it down, you know what's going to happen? One day, one day, it's going to be bam, pow. Where did that come from? That's been building up for 15 years. This is a sad story. My brother, nine years older than me, now he's been in heaven for five years now. He got married at 18 years ago. He was married to a godly woman for 25 years. He strayed from the Lord. They celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary and went to Cancun, Mexico in the early 1990s. They came home from that, and he filed for divorce from his wife. I remember talking to him, Randy. Randy. He said... We never had an argument. We never had a blow up. We never had this. And I said, you know what? You should have had a few arguments. You should have had a few blow ups. If you would have, you'd be married today. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Somebody didn't love enough to get honest. And there's a constructive way to be angry and confront and to talk things out. But somebody didn't care enough to say, we have a problem. Let's talk about this. We can have all the helps and all the counseling. Let's be candid with each other. Do you want a superficial relationship or a genuine relationship? Be confidential with information. Be trustworthy Proverbs 11.3, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man or woman keeps a secret. Are you that kind of person that can keep a confidence? Are you trustworthy? And we tend to think of gossip as one of those little sins. It's a misdemeanor sin. It's not a felony sin. Isn't that something how we rate the sins Gossip. Oh, that's just a misdemeanor sin. It's not a felony sin. But when I look into the Word of God, I see God puts gossip on the list with murder and sexual immorality. Why does God do that? Gossip is destructive. Gossip can tear a friendship apart. Gossip can tear a family apart, a business team apart. More churches have been destroyed by gossip than persecution. Gossip. What is gossip? What really is gossip? And I would have done this illustration today also. I've done it years and years ago, but I don't have time to pick up afterwards. But you've heard this. What is gossip? You go outside into the wind, tear open your feather pillow, and just let all the feathers go. And after all the feathers are blown out, now you have to go pick up every feather. Pick up every... That's almost impossible to do. That's impossible. I can't do that. Yes, that's what gossip does. It goes everywhere, and you can't pick it back up again. It flies everywhere. That's gossip. Gossip is talking about a situation or someone with someone who's neither part of the solution or part of the problem. And so we're going to have connect groups. 
and, and uh, you know, you go to prayer time, and maybe there's some discussion beside the teaching, and you're building friendships. And, and the thing is, unless it's said otherwise, what happens in the connect group stays in the connect group. And, and you may come to celebrate recovery in small groups, and what happens in the small group stays in the small group. And if you don't understand that, maybe you'll get this, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, okay? So now maybe you're getting the idea what takes place, the confidentiality that we need to be trustworthy. Be committed to the relationship. Good relationships take some time. They don't happen by accident, cultivation, and patience. It takes some work. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in the time of need. What does that mean? It means when it's inconvenient, when you don't feel like it, even when it may be at a personal cost. That's what real friendship is all about. Friends got your back. Friends are in your corner. Proverbs 18, 24. There are friends that destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Or a man of many companions may come to ruin. You need a friend. You need a few good friends. You need a real good friend through the journey of life. We have many acquaintances, but we don't have enough friends. How many would say amen to that? Come on. Facebook isn't real friendship, people. Come on. Just saying hi on a Sunday morning isn't real friendship. The acquaintances aren't going to be there in your time of need, but friends will. And I want to say this, okay? I'm saying a lot of things. I'm going to just say something to the men today because this is where we suffer a little bit as men. Do you have anyone in your life who holds you accountable besides your spouse if you're married? Do you have anyone who has the freedom to be candid with you? Do you have a friend? And here's what a man says. Well, yeah, but I am busy. I know, I know, I know. You need a friend. You need somebody who will speak the truth because they care about you and they love you. They'll call you on some of your stuff. You need that kind of friend. You need people to encourage you. You need people to, to, to compliment you at times. But you need people that will be honest with you because they care, genuinely care about you. You need a friend. And what I'm going to say is going to sound odd to some of you. Because I've broken some of the rules for pastors. Because I was trained, literally trained, literally taught, instructed that I could not have a friend. That's what I was taught, that you're a pastor, you're separated, you can't make friends, you can't have friends in your congregation. Maybe a pastor friend, but most of them are somewhere else, they're not here. You cannot, this is my teaching to me, have a friend in the church. How many see that and say, that is unbiblical. How many can see that? And I saw that years ago, and I said, that is unbiblical. Well, you can't trust them. They'll turn on you. You'll be open and honest with somebody. They'll turn that against you. I'm here to say, thank you, Jesus, that I broke those rules that I was taught. I have a few good friends. 
And I want to make sure, if you're on the executive leadership team, and there's some of you men here today, you will speak the truth and love to me. And you'll say to me maybe sometime, what are you thinking? I hopefully you're that honest with me sometimes, okay? Because my wife tells me that at times. I listen. I take her counsel. But I probably need somebody else to tell me that too, (laughs) okay? Come on. Come on. The bottom line is we need people in our lives that will help us with these six things. The only way this is going to happen in your life is you need to be that kind of person for somebody else. Where are you going to find them? Well, God has this place. It's called church, his church. You and me, with all of our flaws, with all of our imperfections, he works in us to meet each other's needs. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for God and his plan? Amen? The church. Now, here's what can happen with us Morning Star Fellowship, and I'm wrapping this up. I'm, I'm coming in for a landing. Here's what can happen with us. If you attach two horses together, talk about horsepower, they can pull about 9,000 pounds of weight. If you attach four horses together, They can pull not twice the amount, 18,000 pounds, but they are able to pull 30,000 pounds of weight. Why? That is called synergy. Say it with me, synergy. Say it again, synergy. The whole is greater than the parts. We are better together. Amen? Come on, tell us. We're better together. I need you. You need each other. We, if there's ever been a day, and I could just say so much about current events, but there's ever been a day that we need the Lord Jesus, and we need each other, and we need to stand strong, and we need to speak out loudly and lovingly and boldly and not be shaken. It's today, the day in which we're living. We need each other as the church more than ever before today. I'm going to quote, I grew up outside Detroit. My family, a lot of them, my father worked for Ford Motor Company. Here's a quote from Henry Ford. Coming together is a beginning. Staying together is progress, progress, and working together is success. Is success. Coming together is a beginning, staying together is progress, and working together is success. So here's the action step. Let's continue to serve together, and let's represent Jesus Christ well today. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand together. If you have a prayer need, and I never want to take this granted. As I said before, every Sunday, we want to pray with you if you have a prayer need. So if you're part of that, that prayer team, won't you come now? Because we're going to sing and we're going to close and then we can stay and pray with you. But I, we have cards. Out there in the lobby, there's a table. Take a card. If you're not serving presently, we wouldn't say this unless there was a need. We have some needs. We're going back to two services. To make What happens on a Sunday right here for two services? We need 100 people. 
The same thing in Pittsburgh. We need 100 people. We need some people in media right now. We need people on cameras right now. We need some people that maybe can be trained but have some media experience. There's a need right now taking place. So go back there. Take a card. And maybe you've been praying. You know what you want to do. Fill that out. Usher, greeter, or safety team, or whatever it may be, kids ministry, and put it in the container. The instructions are there. Maybe you're going to take it home. You can say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to serve? And bring it back next week, in the next couple weeks. But together, the synergy that's going to take place and is taking place together. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we stand before you this morning. We stand in your holy presence. Some of us may be discouraged. I pray, Holy Spirit, bring encouragement right now. Some of us may be tired. Thank you, Lord, for your joy and your strength flooding into us right now. Some of us may be confused. Thank you, Lord, that you bring direction and clarity to us. Some of us this morning in your family may be afraid. We thank you, Lord, that you give us a sound mind. Fear does not control us. Fear does not drive us. But your perfect love is casting out that fear right now. In the name of Jesus. You may be here this morning and you're far from the Lord. You don't know him personally. You need to experience the new birth. Born again, saved. If you're not living for Jesus, but you want to start that life, start that journey, begin to know Christ, accept him into your life, you want to see a change, raise your hand with me right now and say, I recognize I need Jesus. I'm raising my hand. I need Jesus. Thank you. Thank you right here. Anybody else say, I need Jesus? Anybody else? I need, yes, thank you, sir. There in the balcony, several people. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pray together right now. I want you, if you raise your hand, if you believe in your heart right now that you need the Lord, pray with me. And then after that prayer, there's a card there that says, what did you decide today? What did you do today? Take that to our table there in the foyer, our guest connect there, connections table. But let's pray. You're coming into the family of God. Your sins are being forgiven. Jesus Christ is gonna become your Lord and Savior. From this day forward, you have a new life, a new journey. You're going to be on your way to heaven. Dear Heavenly Father, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you now, and I recognize that I'm lost spiritually, that I'm far away. But right now, I want you. I need you. I ask you. Forgive me. Take my sin. Give me a new life. Right now, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It's my desire to know you, to live for you, and follow you. Right now, I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me 
come into my life and help me live for you. I ask this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning.